Yeah. Look, I've been on a whole new level. Yeah, running for my life, trying to cross that finish line. Head high till you see me with my medal. Yeah, this that do or die. Yeah, you know I'm on my grind, cause I've been on a Welcome, everybody, to our podcast today. I'm Justin Whiteley with Communities and Schools of the Big Country. Uh, welcome to Breakthrough, uh, where we are uh, going to a whole new level when it comes to supporting students um, in our community. Um, today, I have with me uh, Miss Sarah Collins who is the Executive Director for Reach for a Difference. Uh, good, good morning, Sarah. How are you doing today? Good. Uh, we are excited to have her. Um, I wanted you to start with, uh, start with telling us a little bit about uh, your organization, Reach for a Difference. What is it you guys do? Um, and so give us some, some information about Reach for a Difference. Okay. Uh, Reach for a Difference offers resources, education, action, community and hope and so uh, we offer resources a roadmap to resources on our website of partnerships we've made in the community um, places that maybe parents need information or where to go to get help for their children um, it's it's local state and national uh, resources that we've accumulated on that page um, we offer education as far as um, offering free information on the art process and advocacy transition. Um, we pa- point parents in the direction of getting free education and training in those areas when their child starts school. Um, we do have community events like the Big Country Walk for Autism. We offer Sensory Santa for children. Um, we do swim lessons in the summer. Uh, uh, Water safety is one of the most important things for individuals on the spectrum because they have a tendency to water, uh, wander and, and they're drawn to water, so we know that that's real important. Um, we've trained the police and the fire department here um, on autism. Uh, anyways, we ba- there's a lot of things that we've done commu- for the community and as far as helping them become more aware. Um, we introduced What's Up with Nick, which is a curriculum to the Abilene Independent School District Board, asking that they implement that program into all third grade classrooms, and the importance of sharing with students in the third grade what it's like and how to be friends with someone maybe in their class that might have autism. Um, we also offer hope. We hope by doing things such as this podcast um, we have online support groups. A lot of parents have a hard time getting out. We learned coming to support groups face-to-face and in person. And so social media has been huge for us. In our online support group for parents and grandparents, we have about 130 right now um, in our area that are on that online support group. And that is where we share stories, ask questions, information. Um, and that's how we offer hope and you know not just through that but through speaking events and and as we build partnerships that help um, the community or their children we hope that in that um, 
that they have hope in knowing that we are out there on the front lines working as hard as we can to make things better for their children here in the community. Wow, what a what a great resource. Um, when a lot of the conversations that you hear in the communities today is there's not enough resources when it comes to autism. Um, but you as an executive director for this this organization, you with Reach for a Difference, you have so many resources for parents. Uh, not only resources, but you want to be available for parents as well too. So having the Facebook page, having your website, having the opportunity to ask questions, to reach out for help, and creating a community of support um, mm -hmm. for, for parents um, and, and their children is a key thing. So you guys are doing great, great work. Um, so what are some of the challenges uh, parents who have children on the autism spectrum experience? Um, you know, I'll, I'll just, um, there are no two kids with autism. I'm like, I'll start with that. And whenever I can, uh, I can talk based off on my own experience and also of what I've heard from other families. Um, families were really challenged going to the grocery store with their children when they're small. That is a really big deal. <laughs> and um, we were able to, through a grant, put Caroline's cart in our local grocery stores at HEB United Market Street you will find a Caroline's cart that will hold a child up to 230 pounds that is facing the caregiver um, that is specially designed to help a child um, or individual adult with autism um, so that it can be a nice experience not just for the child and the parent but uh, everyone else in the store as well. So um, that has been a big challenge that that we've tried to meet for parents that they have asked for. Um, another challenge is, you know, just finding resources is what they're looking for. They're also looking for respite. They all want rest. Um, they would like to have, you know, one night a month where they can just get away and get some rest. And, um, that is something that's been really hard to find and really hard to do. Um, they also want community events and um, where they can go and feel comfortable in the community and be a part of the community with their children and not have to worry um, that their child is going to be, you know, seen as different or they can't participate because they're acting a certain way or they want to they want to go somewhere that they know ahead of time is safe and i think that be, comes from going places and trying to do things and you know it not working out um, i think some of that you know when you th we think about so, something as simple as going to church mm -hmm. you know uh, i had a conversation with somebody at one time where uh, and it may have been you where we talked mm -hmm. about um, how the church developed uh, an area where um, those those students mm -hmm. can go to and the parents can go to where they can can worship but at the same time uh, they if they feel comfortable um, mm -hmm. in that setting and stuff and so that's that's one of those examples of how that can that can yeah. work uh, church has been a big big issue and it's something that I didn't want to talk about or didn't like talking about um, but it is a huge issue um, you know the the biggest there's two big issues that we haven't, I feel like, as an organization, been able to 
fully accomplished. We've gotten the word out, but we need lots of help. And that is um, partnering with more churches to make them more accessible for children with special needs like autism. So, you know, so they're more aware. We have provided sensory items to some churches that have reached out to us so that some people in their congregation, um, adults with autism, um, can use to, you know, be more comfortable in the service and not make noise and not be distractive to everyone else that's trying to worship. Um, and there may be some church leaders that listen to this and say, hey, I want to reach out to a Reach for a Difference and mm-hmm. see how we can partner and making sure that that happens yeah. and stuff. So. A lot of, we get a lot of phone calls from parents that are devastated that, you know, they've been asked to leave. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just a fact and it happens. And um, I never want to discourage anyone from going to church and giving, um, giving it a shot. Um, but we definitely want to be there when something like that happens for that family. And we definitely want to know what churches are open and willing to be trained and, um, you know, accepting of children with special needs or people that are different in their church. And those are some of the the everyday um, type challenges. But what are some challenges that uh, students face when they start going to school? Um, A lot of the challenges are mostly, I want to say, social. Um, as far as a child's educational needs, um, the school does a really great job on coming up with a plan to meet those needs. But what uh, people that have autism lack social skills and in social settings, it's very difficult for them. And what we've learned is that if they don't have those and uh, then it's really hard to meet their educational needs. For example, I'll give you an example. Um, A child in third grade goes out onto the playground, has autism, they're in a mainstream classroom because, you know, that's where um, educationally they should be because they are, they can meet the educational intelligent, they're intelligent enough to be at that level. Um, So they're in that classroom, they go out on the playground, but they don't know how to make friends. They don't know how to connect to other people in their class. So everyone's on the playground and this child's playing by themselves. Um, And what it looks like from the outside is that that child doesn't want to be a part of the group or doesn't want friends. And adults that have autism have told us um, they very much want to be a part. They just don't know how to do it. And so they have feelings just like we do. They want to be a part just like we do. They just aren't comfortable or don't know how to go about doing it. So this child then, after playing by themselves on the playground, yet wanting a friendship, goes back to the classroom and refuses to do their work and stops writing because they are so upset that they cannot make friendships or they don't have friends. That's very important to kids. Um, I think it's important to adults too, but this child then stops writing for the rest of the year, refuses to write, and that has happened. Um, so that is an example of a child that's needing help socially in the classroom or socially have a friend or to make a friend and then going back into the classroom and then they refuse to do work. 
So we have to somehow help that child in some way make a connection to someone. And what we've seen is it doesn't take like five or six people that we need to help be friends with this child to help them on the way. It just takes really one. And um, one good friendship, one good mentorship, one good someone that they can count on um, to be there for them. And they'll thrive. But if they don't have a connection to anyone, um, we see where they make the choice for themselves to disengage in the classroom. And I think that's that's true for everybody. Um, I think if anybody didn't have that relationship, that connection, um, they're going to be challenged no matter what. And so um, with those students um, who need that, who are, who are dealing with some other challenges and need that relationship, it's really key to make sure that that happens. Right. And, that, and that's just an example from a very young, like third grade. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can imagine by the time middle school comes along, and all of those challenges hit, um, it's going to be even more difficult. Yeah, I, I know. I don't know about you, but, you know, going into middle school, middle school is a little bit scary sometimes. Oh, yeah. I, I can remember my middle school ages and my middle school days and, uh, and, and the anxiety that that brings mm-hmm. um, coming into um, that time and all the hormones and all that stuff and, and girls and, and all those things, all those challenges. And then you throw in other challenges and it just becomes compactful. Mm-hmm. Kind of like bullying. And, you know, I know bullying's always been around and it was never called bullying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> those were just mean kids. Um, but bullying, um, I think bullying came about once um, this tech, social, um, computer network stuff started. Um, they started referring to it as bullying. Um, but bullying goes on a lot for kids just that look different, act different, talk different. I mean, it happens to, I think, just about everyone. Like, people can be just mean. But for kids, especially with autism, wanting, being put in a mainstream, um, most definitely looking and sounding different, um, they're definitely going to be a target for bullying, unfortunately. So... Sarah, tell us about um, your personal challenges you have faced in your family um, through the life of Phoebe, who is your daughter. Uh, I did face the challenge of not having childcare because the child church daycare that she was going to asked us to leave. Um, That was a huge challenge. Um, Just getting Phoebe to speak was a challenge. She did at five and took till she was five years old. We had challenges in um, the school, Uh, you know, and it wasn't always so much with other kids at that age. It's with um, adults and teaching teachers and um, teachers needing to be trained on autism and really not understanding it and, and that sort of thing. And, you know, you face challenges in your own home with siblings and... Uh, your partner that you're with and the divorce rate for autism is so high if you have a child with autism is so high um, it's like it's like 78 or 80 percent it's like way up there um, I know that that people see with autism not having a, a known cause or cure um, people can have different opinions about it some people want cures 
some people want their children to be accepted just the way they are. Um, so there's a challenge. I see a lot of challenges with other families, and I had the same challenge myself with childcare, not having it, um, having to quit my job and, and stay home with her when she wasn't well mentally. Um, that was a challenge. Uh, it's hard with siblings. Uh, everyone's focused on the child with the disability, and and not the other children seem to, you know, not get the uh, amount of attention that that child gets, and that causes issues. Um, there's lots of single parents in our group. Um, you know, not all of them, but there are a lot, and I know that those parents face challenges in their homes. Uh, just trying to go to work and take care of that child with special needs. So you, you had mentioned, uh, you know, mentally. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, with Phoebe being at school, this is middle school. Um, tell, tell me about uh, Phoebe's story when it comes to her mental health and Okay. Um, you know, that was something after, you know, our first goal was to talk. And when I was asking God to please give her a voice so that I could hear it, um, that's really all I asked for. I didn't ask for, uh, will you cure her? I never even thought to ask for that. I just wanted to hear her voice. And I thought if he'll ever just uh, let me hear that, then that's enough. I don't, I don't really, whatever comes after that, you know, it's, it's good. Um, Phoebe, what I didn't expect, she did talk. And then she started talking more and more and more. And she started getting better and better and better and better. And so over her whole elementary years, Phoebe's progression and getting better was just, she went from severely, what doctors said was severely autistic to extremely high functioning. And it was, I do believe, definitely was a miracle from God, um, as does her teacher, <laughs> that she had that year that she started talking because it was so instant. And, you know, our job or my job now is to give back to the community and help them in any way that they can so that we do all that we can to ensure that those kids have a shot at hearing their their parents hearing their voice and and some will and some won't you know and we want to be there for both but you know Phoebe's mental I never expected expected um, the mental health issues that came along that was a big surprise and you know until Phoebe hit middle school and started dealing dealing with some bullying she didn't even know how to express that to us at home. Um, I think she went to a counselor several times, and but you know she she doesn't know she doesn't really remember names. She doesn't know faces. She forgets very easily those things. And if you don't have that kind of information, there's nothing really they can do about it. And so all of that kind of stuff was kind of blown off. And you know I was having to kind of blow it off, um, and help her through it the best I could at home. But eventually I saw her start to crumble and she would pace the house constantly and she would come home from school and she'd go in her room and she started scratching herself until she was bleeding her arms. And, you know, um, at, 
like I say, at that time, even at that time, just two years, three years ago, um, she wasn't communicating fully. Like she did wasn't expressing feelings. She could do work and have conversations, but she never talked about anger, sadness, happiness, depression, feelings. She didn't talk about that kind of stuff. And um, she didn't start understanding that stuff and talking about it until she completely broke down and wasn't sleeping at all, left the house in the middle of the night, didn't come home till three in the morning. Um, just really scary issues like that. Um, she had decided that she, you know, didn't want to live anymore. And so she had went and got knives out of the kitchen and we had to stop her. And we, I have other children and I had one child sleep by the front door and one in another room beside her. And then me and we were like a tag team having to watch her constantly to make sure she didn't do that. And then when I realized that this was crazy and we were so tired that we couldn't do it anymore, I went to the doctor for help. And um, he recommended that, you know, she go to Rivercrest so that she could get maybe on some medication or something to, to really help her. And maybe she could be evaluated by someone that was more qualified, you know, than him. And that's what we she did. And she learned a lot, I think, being there. And when she got out, I kept her home for two years to make sure she was okay enough to go back into the classroom. And when and I... That, that decision right there was probably a hard decision. It was. To, I didn't want to let her. Two, two yeah. years out of school, two years away from, from those, those social uh, relationships yeah. and stuff. And, and knowing that she went had left the school and went and asked a stranger, a man, to bring her home, uh, that was really shocking. And so I knew she was doing some things that I never, ever would have thought that I would have put her somewhere like Rivercrest. Like, that would never happen to her. I, I never expected this wave of mental issues to hit us like it did. It was hard. And um, that was a very difficult time. And so, yeah, I was really scared. I didn't want to do it. Yet, she was. I knew she was ready. She was telling me she wanted friendships. I didn't want to stop her from being social. Um, I caught a lot of flack from family that thought I was doing the wrong thing by keeping her home. Um, but when she told me she was ready to go back, I knew that she wasn't going to be able to go back into that same environment without some kind of support. And so, you know, I had to start looking for other options. And that's where reach, um, we have to base our own experiences like this is something we never thought would ever happen and so this is a new gap in the community that we see that there's a need that needs to be filled like how do we help these kids in middle schools and when I started to research it children with autism and disabilities once they hit middle school the rate for the for suicide is astronomical it goes way up and I think about that and you know, I thought, you know, we've got to help keep our kids safe, and how can we do that? And with that, you know, in a local interview you just recently did with a news station, mm -hmm. um, I think that's where you found the opportunity when it comes to uh, what we're going to be talking about today. Um, you know, 
you're ready to give up, but there's one thing. Let's try this. Mm-hmm. Let's let's that's what you said in your interview. Let's try this. Mm-hmm. Um, so you heard of communities and schools, right? And so share how that relationship developed. Okay, I will tell you that I had lost all hope at that point, and I really I'm just like every other parent. I'm trying to help families, but I'm just like them. You know, I hit that. You know, I have no hope wall. And I will say that in my journey, that is one time when I had hit it. And, and it's hard I, to hurt, help people when, you, yeah, when you're at that I was position. like, I can't help these people because I can't even help myself right now. And I had a dream. And in my dream, uh, God told me that I needed to tell my story and Phoebe's story about her struggle with mental her mental illness. Because we can talk about autism all day, but nobody wants to talk about mental illness. It's, And who wants to get up there and talk about it and about your child having it? And um, will she be okay with that? And I talked to her about it, and um, she said, Mom, I think people need to know I'm, that it happens and that, you know, there's help out there. And I think it's important that they hear it. And I said, well, if you're okay with us talking about it, then, you know, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to talk about it. And so with her permission, I I went to Kathy Ashby and I said, I want to gather local leaders in the community um, to talk about. And Kathy Ashby is the Kathy Ashby uh-huh. is the uh, leader over United Way, the uh, president over mm-hmm. United Way. She works with lots of of community resources and community organizations and provides funding for them to be able to do and work uh, to meet the needs of the people in the community. Right. And so I said, can we get together? Um, I need to do a presentation on um, mental, mental illness, autism, and some things that we need in the school and in the community. And I don't know what's going to come of this, but I just need to tell this story because that's what I'm supposed to do. Um, and she said, sure. And I put a presentation together and she invited members to come in here. And I told the story of um, Phoebe's struggle and the lack of mental health needs. Um, I, at the time, thought a social worker, you know, someone like a social worker in the school would be beneficial because they would not only be helping Phoebe, but they would help the whole family. And I knew Phoebe wasn't the only one that needed help. Um, We all did. We were all uh, uh, hurting just like she was. She was went through her depression and we all went through it because we were sad for her. So I was looking for that. Um, So there was lots of social workers and, and other organizations that came and listened and from that, Kathy Ashby later said, do you know about communities and schools? And I said, I've heard of them, but I don't know what they do. And she explained to me what they do did. And I said, um, but do you think that they would, do you think that they would be willing to like work with kids that have autism? And she goes, yes, I think so. I said, she said, you need to go over and meet uh, Paul and you need to talk to him and um, she said I there is this grant coming up that y'all might be able to be partners on and y'all might be able to come up with something that works and so I came 
and had an appointment with Paul and I did not expect him to say yes. I was at a point, keep in mind, I had no hope. So I was not expecting a yes. I was not expecting, I was expecting what I get from a lot of people, unfortunately, which is a long pause. And I'm sorry, but we are not qualified to do that. I'm sorry, we can't help you. I'm sorry. Yeah, you get used to hearing that. Um, but when I came and talked to him, uh, he was bright eyed and it was a yes right away. Like, of course, um, our mission is to help kids at risk, which um, children with autism that are struggling are definitely at risk, just like other children at risk. And I can definitely see where that's a need and that I think that we could meet that need and it would fall under our mission. And I was like, really? <laughs> really? You'd really, you'd really take this on? Do you think that your staff would be on board? They'd really help us? And um, he said, yeah, I think so. And so I knew um, that the Houston Landtrip building was being built at Hardin-Simmons. I know Dr. Truby Miller that is going to be running the autism part of that. Um, she's not only um, has her ABA degree to work with children with autism um, for special needs and things like that, but she also has a counseling degree, which... I found fascinating that she had both because I think it's important to have both when you're working with these families and these children because they definitely need both. And um, I went to her and I asked her if she would be willing to do training if um, it was possible for us to partner with communities and schools, if she would be willing to train the staff on some things that or things that they felt like they might need tools to help these kids whenever they have a kid with autism that comes to them for help so that they're prepared and um she said yeah i'm on board I, i'd be more than happy to do that for you and so and that is part of the grant that we talked about earlier right um because some of that tra that training is really not it's pretty expensive. It's very expensive. And uh, to work with a, an organization like United Way to be able to write that grant and get the funding mm -hmm. uh, to provide those resources to the people on the campus so they can work with those students is, is a key thing. Because without that, um, how do we uh, train people on, on campuses to work with students with autism? Right. And I think that what I was most surprised about was that um, I guess meeting Thurman Metters because I've seen him in action in the school. Um, Thurman Metters is our success coach at Madison Middle School and, and, and has been there for a long time and does great things. Yeah, um, what I was, I mean, it, it is, the training is very expensive and it's going to be very useful, I think, you know. But I will say that um, I was very impressed by how already prepared he was like to do take on this um to me he already qualified to do it and um so i was very impressed i'm impressed with the people that communities and schools hires if they hire them i because i'm not still you know totally familiar for to do this in the schools um it's just very good quality um caring uh, people that 
our group needs. And one of the, one of the key things about communities and schools and our staff is the opportunity to build quality relationships. Um, you'll find that our staff um, have the opportunity to really get to know the students and finding out what's going on with them in life um, and not just the educational aspect of it but the full picture of that student right. and really care about you know breaking down those barriers that are keeping them from being successful and being that resource on a consistent basis. Yes, and I recently talked to a therapist here in Abilene, and he said, because he heard the story, he said, what is so cool about what y'all are doing is they have the opportunity in the moment. He said, because a lot of times when he sees these kids out in a, a counseling setting, the situation has already occurred, and you can't really, you can teach, but you can't teach them to go right away and, you know, implement something um, where communities and schools there, something happens, um, they want to talk about it then. And in order for them to continue their day and be successful in the classroom, they just need to stop by maybe and vent and have someone to talk to, and then they can go back into the classroom and be successful. And that is how it is with a lot of kids with autism. They need that support in that moment, at that time. And um, that's why community school is so lucky because they get to be there when it happens. And then they get to teach that child then in the moment, you know, this is what's going on and, and help them through that and give them the tools that they need to go back and and be successful for the rest of the day. And if they didn't have that, like, who? I mean, I think, man, um, my daughter, she would just walk out the front door of the school and take off. Um, and so, she, you know, I, I was thinking she was going to be home for the rest of her life and I'd be taking care of her. But this came along and, you know, it, it is something so simple, but so important. And it was already taking place, but I didn't know that, I didn't know about communities and schools. So really, I was just so grateful that they said yes, because that's what I needed to hear. That's what gave me hope. Um, I was ready to quit. I was ready to give up. And after talking to him and him saying yes, I, I finally, after two years, was able to take a deep breath when I dropped my daughter off at school and not be scared. And it was wonderful. And to give some context to our listeners um, out there, um, our success coaches, Thurman Meadows is one of those success coaches, are full-time employees on the campus. And so they're there the whole day. Um, meeting with students and also when crisis situations coming when those students need need them um, they're there and available um, for the full day and so they they meet with lots of kids um, they help with teachers they help with administration and and trying to be that resource to break down those barriers and you know what i love about it this is one of the things i love about it is that we go into art meetings when you have you know art meetings where their teachers are there, the principal's there, there's specialists in that room. And I invited, I invited Thurman, you know, the communities and school coach there because to me, he's the most important person in her life at school. And he gets to hear what the teachers are going through with her in the classroom. And he gets to hear also be her voice 
and an advocate for her and give them some insight into what she's feeling and going through. So it was very impressive to sit in an actual ARD meeting for the first time with the communities and schools coach, your child, and the rest of the team, and we all became a team. And so that team, after that happened, just started working together, and it was a wonderful connection. And it's kind of like a family, a little family took place that surrounded Phoebe, and I don't have to worry anymore. Like I've worried for 10 years, um, I wasn't sure how much longer I could keep worrying like that or and what it was doing to my health and how it was affecting my family. And now we all feel safe and there's not enough money you can you know, pay to feel that way. And so that leads to this next question when it comes to, you have Phoebe who was uh, going through all these uh, challenges with mental health issues and uh, uh, suicidal at times and uh, ready to give up as well too and also your family um, but what about what is Phoebe today you know well you know I, like I said I was depressed I'm gonna tell you after going through that two years all that I was depressed and I was having a hard time crawling out of it just like she you know when she did the interview and she talked about being in the swamp of sadness that is the first time Phoebe has ever talked about her feelings. I have ever heard that. I've never heard her say that before. First time she ever talked about depression. It was the first time I heard her talk about her sadness, how she felt, how she got through it, you know, how Thurman helped her, the things that he taught her about being positive. And I'm like, I need a coach. Can I get one of those success coaches at home? Because, you know, I was depressed. So what happened is it was like a systemic thing. Phoebe started getting better and we I saw her able to overcome all these obstacles and challenges and come out of this deep dark depression. And I thought, man, if she can do it, I can do it. You know, I need to get some help for myself. And so I then sought help to help me I somewhat have my own little success coach in counseling now and um, and I w- wouldn't have done that had I not seen the progress that Phoebe made and how Thurman helped her because after Phoebe was helped then Phoebe helped me you know she came back and she taught me and so in teaching me I'm better than for my other children and so it just keeps going on down and when you speak with Phoebe, it's uh, she's such a uh, interesting and positive person now. Um, and she helps with certain things with Thurman as well too, and helping others be positive. Mm-hmm. And so it's a it's a totally different person that you see. Yeah, it's wild. Um, there's two times that I've seen Phoebe transform, and that was when she was totally nonverbal and started talking. Um, that was a, a wonderful day and at the same time it was kind of a sad day because I, it was like a death of a child that I had known that I had been known really well and become accustomed to and we knew how to communicate even though she couldn't talk but then she was like reborn into this new person that was communicating that I had to learn all over like this new person and who she was it was like a rebirth and then we hit middle school and she's depressed and she goes through this and now I've seen 
another transformation and a rebirth and it's just uh, really incredible to to watch her keep transforming and you know we're just really grateful for the whole the help that we've gotten and you, you want to offer that hope to other families and the only way I know is or what's helped us along the way is that if you keep looking and you keep searching for that help there are these bright lights in the community that eventually show up why or who sends them there or why they happen to be there at that moment um, but that's how and what's given us hope to keep going on as a family with Phoebe as an organization um, there has to be those people out there that are willing to reach out um, to be helpers in the community and to be those lights that offer people that are hopeless hope and that is what I've learned is that I've never been left without hope for very long before a bright light shines <laughs> shows up and for me at that time it happened to be you know Paul in communities and schools well Sarah um you and uh, your organization with reaching out um, you guys are doing wonderful work in the community um, those who are listening um, if you know somebody um, that may need that support um, having a, a child on the autism spectrum um, I recommend that you uh, reach out to them uh, you can find them on their Facebook page um, they have a website that you can go to uh, but just what a great resource um, uh, it may just be someone just you just need to talk to. Um, uh, Sarah always has an opening ear. Uh, there are times that they have meetings um, where you can come talk face to face, um, and so um, reach out to them, um, get that support that you need. Um, Sarah, uh, one of the things I like to do at the end of our our interviews is give an opportunity for our guests to uh, say some some positive words, and so. What I want you to do is is those parents who are, are struggling, um, what are some words of encouragement that you would tell them today? Um, what I tell people that first come to us, because we get a lot, of, a lot of calls when children are very young. Not a lot of calls from kids when they're older. Parents seem to kind of disappear a little bit, and we don't hear much from them as they get older. But... Um, when you get that phone call and then and that parent gets the diagnosis for the first time that their child has autism um, what I have to tell them because I've based off my own experience is um, autism does not define your child and no one can tell you where your child will end up um, it's very scary because parents don't know if their child is going to be high functioning, low functioning, or where. And that's a scary thing to know, um, that, to not know where your child will end up. But there is no one that can tell you. They can give you a diagnosis, but nobody can give you a prognosis. So your child, don't give up hope. Your child can accomplish anything, and you don't know what, what that plan is for your child. And I'm sure there is a plan for your child and, and for you. And I just want to say that, you know, we've seen a lot of good things through REACH happen for families. And there's lots of support for you um, out there. 
like you said, uh, whenever I first started, I didn't think there was any resources in Abilene. And once I started looking, I went to one place, the next, the next, the next. You find these people out there, and um, they're on our website. And if you need help, you know, you can always find support um, through our Facebook page, um, online support group, um, or just email us at reachforadifference at gmail.com, and we will respond. Again, thank you, Sarah. And one of the key things I hear you uh, say throughout this interview is, is, is keep looking. Mm-hmm. And so y'all keep looking, look for opportunities. We thank you, Sarah uh, Collins, for joining us today. Uh, we hope that you, your, your work uh, continues to be blessed um, throughout the community. Thank you. If you like the music on this episode, it was written and performed by L.C. Alexander, who is our success coach at Clack Middle School. You can find his music on Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube. If you would like to support communities and schools of the big country, please go to our website, cisbigcountry.org, and click donate. Glory, 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 going straight from, uh.